Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. your campsites we'll try and get the food to you or if you're staying here we'll try and get the food to you now there's a guy up there some hamburger guy that had his stand burned down last night but he's still got a little stuff left and for you people that still believe that you know capitalism isn't that weird you might help him out and buy a couple hamburgers that's the historic woodstock peace and music festival in 1969 an event forever linked with the establishment of the American hippie subculture. Granola. These people had never seen granola before. And I got to make this amazing announcement. Uh, Good morning. What we have in mind is breakfast in bed for 400,000. Which is when we introduced the world to granola. And the, the hippies would look at it and say, what is this, gravel? <laughs> no, try it. you like it. And they did. And we fed them plenty of it. I was uh, walking across the terrain with Tom Law when I was spotted by E.H. Beresford Monk, otherwise known as Chip Monk. And he built the stage at Woodstock. And he was also... Uh, the sound and light genius at the village gate. So there I was, and Chip said, you come up here. And so I came up on the stage, and I was given a microphone to make announcements. What we have in mind is breakfast in bed for 400,000. That quote from Woodstock was spoken off the cuff by a beatnik poet-comedian named Hugh Romney, who later became Wavy Gravy. And that line... What we have in mind is breakfast in bed for 400,000 was picked by Entertainment Weekly as one of the top entertainment lines of the 20th century. Yes, you heard that right. The 20th century. How do you like them apples? Now that soundbite probably catapulted Wavy into hippie iconism. When you get to the very bottom of the human soul where the knit is slamming into the grit and you're sinking, but you reach down to help somebody else. That's when everybody gets high and you don't even need LSD to do that. And that's when I pass the acid test. That's Wavy today in one of our many interviews which we did in the fall of 2020. The occasional thunking, which you'll hear throughout the series, is Wavy's cane, which he bangs for emphasis, along with his chair creaking. Now, the occasional panting you might hear is me trying not to laugh or gasp in amazement too loudly. 
is Hugh Romney, who underwent an acid meltdown that transformed him into Wavy Gravy. He is a merry prankster. He is a hog farmer. He is a yippee uh, conspirator. He is a clown. Wavy just listed off a collection of organizations he's affiliated with. And if you aren't familiar with the counterculture, you may not know who the merry pranksters, hog farm, or yippies are. Stay with us, listener, because I'm going to explain all of them as we move through Wavy's astonishing life. Right now, most pressingly, if you're looking for a joyful podcast full of comedy, counterculture, and activist history that will inspire you, this is it. Welcome. My favorite definition of a clown is a clown is a poet who is also an orangutan, which is a quote uh, from The Book of Clowns by John Townsend. In the same way Rosa Parks is a civil rights icon, Aretha Franklin a music icon, and Mark Twain a literary icon, Wavy Gravy is a hippie icon. (laughs) I con you, you con me, we con each other. Uh, uh, But I am a hippie, they'll bury me a hippie. Uh, I like uh, hip things like uh, jazz and poetry and... and, basic human kindness and and nice people and Sharon and Karen, the love sisters. Sharon and Karen, let's hear it for them. Yay! I'm Rainbow Valentine, and this is American Prankster, the rivetingly incredible, historically fascinating saga of who, what, where, why, when, how, with Wavy Gravy, original beatnik, hippie icon, pioneering activist who uses humor as a weapon. Wavy and his commune compatriots, known for their peaceful communal living success, were hired by the Woodstock producers to be festival security and run the event's free kitchen. The world press swooped on us when we landed in New York. What are you going to use for crowd control? Uh, Cream pies and seltzer bottles! And they all wrote it down. And I thought... The power of manipulating the media. <laughs> well, the hog farm has been hassled by security people, and they're calling you security people. So how do you feel about the, you know, the, the name? Well, I feel secure. I don't know what security people means. I never was called a security person before. In fact, you're the first person that's ever called me that. How do you feel? <laughs> Well, I feel... Uh, <laughs> you feel secure? <laughs> now, that's the Associated Press interviewing Wavy and friends as they deplaned in New York, headed for Woodstock. The vintage audio is a little hard to understand. Wavy just asked the reporter if he felt secure. What's going to happen up at Woodstock? Music. <laughs> Music and camping. They're coming to groove here, rather, and rather than be anything in particular. Live, camp in the woods, and listen to music and watch a lot of people from all over here. Sort of spread the life a little Yeah. (laughs) In news footage at the airport, the reporter wearing a stiff polyester sports coat looks pained and somewhat envious of the barefoot, free spirits he's been tasked with interviewing. Wavy, wearing a onesie jumpsuit with an applique heart over his heart and a cartoonishly big hat with a rainbow brim, (laughs) grins impishly, his top teeth missing like an eight-year-old goofball. Let's 
let's all go down to the strand and have a banana. Oh, what a happy land. You be the leader and I'll walk behind. Come with me and see what we can find. Oh, let's all go down to the strand and have a banana. Now we're going to get more into Woodstock and Wavy's commune, the hog farm, later in the series. But to start, I want to introduce you to the beatnik performer Hugh Romney, who eventually became Wavy Gravy hippie icon. And wouldn't it be neat if the people that you meet had shoes upon their feet and something to eat? And wouldn't it be fine now if all humankind had shelter? Basic human needs, basic human deeds, doing what comes naturally. Down in the garden, where no one is apart, deep down in the garden, the garden of your heart. And wouldn't it be grand if we all lent a hand So each one could stand on a free piece of land And wouldn't it be thrilling if folks stopped their killing And started in tilling the land, yeah Basic human needs now Basic human deeds when what comes naturally down in the garden where no one is apart deep down deep down in the garden the garden of your heart wavy is an original gaslight cafe beatnik poet entertainer improv comedian pioneering political activist philosopher psychedelic satirical rebel and enthusiastically idealistic individualist who came of age at a unique time in history the late 1950s and early 60s the dawn of a decade of extreme transformation in america the beatniks were cool as you like going through all this caper yeah veils, top hats a lot. The square is eight acres of everybody's front porch. In the old days, they gathered around to watch hangings. Now they sing folk songs and hoot and holler around a bit. To San Francisco Bay They're talking about this famous place are the beatniks, and what is the Gaslight Cafe, and why are they important? Well, to answer this, I called my friend Dennis McNally, historian, former publicist of The Grateful Dead, and author of a forthcoming book about beatniks. So picture America in, say, the fall of 1957, when a book called On the Road is published. It's had a depression, a world war, a cold war, and in reaction to all that, you know, really vicious intellectual crackdown of anybody that appeared to be, uh, what do they call it, prematurely anti-fascist, which is to say anybody that stepped out of line. And great prosperity, finally, in the middle of the 50s. The unstated or sometimes stated principle was because of uh, something called the GI Bill, in which an enormous number of people literally lifted themselves a social class from working class to, to middle class. 
with education and with home buying, you have this, what appears to be, you know, peace, everybody's happy, everybody, everybody except for the black people and the women and the whatnot are, you know, socially free if you keep your mouth shut. So there's this massive, massive level of conformity. And then a group of poets, and it was really 10 guys uh, at first, who became in particular famous because, and, and this is it's going to sound very cynical, but it's something I've I really only come to realize, is because of branding. And that is they had a great name. So that when the media would say, oh, are you a beat? Well, yeah, I'm a beat. Oh, well, then, then that's all the media would need to know. Because to be a beat was to be, to wear blue jeans, wear Real men wore suits. The women wore black leotards. They might check out Eastern religions. So you have this dissident group of poets, Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac being the most famous of them. There were no other dissidents at the time. And here are these uh, poets standing up and saying, well, you know, frankly, the uh, emperor has you know, no clothes. Um, this, this country is not perfect. And in fact, it's largely lacking a soul. And one of those people was a guy named Hugh Romney. So being a real beatnik is fascinating. Being an icon is unusual. And being a hippie, which implies devotion to peace, love, and rock and roll, is intriguing. But most importantly, Wavy is an activist, humanitarian, and visionary who uses humor, kindness, and storytelling as weapons. But what does that mean? And how did Wavy get there? And what can you and me and the rest of humanity learn from Wavy Gravy and his unique approach to being human and affecting change? The police force. Police force. It was the police force. Police uh, force. That was early on, I guess, yes. Uh, instead of uh, the, the police force, we had the police force. Because it seemed appropriate to be polite and kind and courteous and uh, all that kind of stuff. So we were the police force, and I kind of thought that up. Wavy's comedic activism, which was big news in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, is more relevant than ever today. Here's Wavy's opinion on kazoos. Kazoos are a very important uh, political uh, tool, and uh, I once uh, was able to purchase several hundred kazoos for a demonstration in Chicago. And it was always quite thrilling when everybody would break out a kazoo and start playing, you know, anything. Anchors away. That was a good one. Be kind to your web. Do, 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 do. For a duck, maybe somebody's mother. All that stuff. But the, the power of a lot of kazoos and even the uh, even the Star Spangled Banner on a hundred kazoos is really uh, amazing and 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 political and uh, passionate. Before diving into Wavy's life, I wanted to learn more about the science of humor. So I called Professor Philip Glenn of Emerson College, who has a PhD in communication, specializing in the scholarly effects of laughter. Sorry, the recording is a little buzzy. What does laughter do to us, to humans? Um, boy, it, it, it does several things. And, um, you know, one, one thing laughter does when we do it together is, is creates a sense of affiliation and 
joy that is, of course, just magical. And that's why people seek out opportunities for that. So it's a scientific fact that laughter unites humans. And Wavy's hilarity has been bringing people together since the 1950s. Unlike his one-time manager, Lenny Bruce, Wavy is a pioneer of today's modern comedy. We'll get more into Lenny and comedy history later, but you should know that today, Wavy, in his 80s, carries a rubber chicken or quilted trout for a purse. And this is how he answers the phone. Weasel repair. Weasel repair. I've also heard him answer weasel analysis. It kills me. He's so funny. So when I was six, my psychedelic pioneer parents dropped me off at Wavy's summer camp for kids. Just like Christian kids go to vacation Bible school or athletic kids go to sports camp, hippie kids go to Wavy Gravy's circus performing arts camp in Northern California. You two get me up in the tornado of talent. And you have to pop the T's at the end. Is significant for some reason. I grew up with Wavy as one of my primary artistic influences. And to us campers, he was just Wavy. Our friend's dad, hippie clown leader, quintessential entertainer, and famous in some circles. Okay, everybody, sit up straight. Breathing in, we calm our body. Breathing out, we smile. Sending a smile to the four corners of the universe. When I left the bubble of Northern California, I was surprised to discover most people don't know who Wavy is. Although some recall Ben and Jerry's Wavy Gravy ice cream. Ben uh, grabbed me up from somewhere and was taking me uh, to Vermont where I had a gig. And he was driving me to my gig and at the same time, unbeknownst to me, interviewing me to see if they wanted to make me a flavor. So by the time we landed at this uh, venue that I was speaking at, I guess I had uh, passed all the tests. And next thing you know, I was being elevated into flavorhood. Wavy, tell us about being an ice cream flavor and start by describing what flavor you are. Uh, it's the most complicated uh, ice cream flavor known to humankind. Uh, chocolate, fudge, hazelnut. Uh, oh, God, it's, it's so complicated. Uh, it took them on, like, uh, years and years to perfect it. They kept sending me uh, these uh, packages in the mail <laughs> with uh, steam coming off them. And the mailmen are always shaking and trembling. And I said, no, it's dry ice. It's ice cream. Relax. And they'd eat some and everything would be fine. And then they'd send more. And they kept sending it. And I kept saying, hmm, a little to the left or whatever. And uh, they they kept searching for the uh, magic ingredient <laughs> and eventually they fell upon it and I remember uh, being in this 
large warehouse full of trucks getting ready to blast forth uh, through Southern California and out into the world with trucks full of wavy gravy. And I got all of the truck drivers to lay in the dark with their heads on each other's stomach going, yum, 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 in the dark. And their heads would jiggle in each other's stomachs. It was very deep and spiritual and very funny. So I asked Wavy and his wife, Chahanara, if I could do a podcast series about him. Because Wavy is so much more than an ice cream. He's like a psychedelic Pied Piper Santa Claus Martin Luther King who uses a clown nose and whoopee cushion to effect change. He wields a one-stringed instrument called an ektar like a magic wand, spreading peace and inspiring excellence in ethics. Yes, that's it. Many strings never in tune. One string, sometimes I get lucky, so plunk, plunk, plunk. And uh, out of that came uh, not only... uh, but, but but the basic human needs. <laughs> and wouldn't it be grand if we all lent a hand so each one could stand on a free piece of land? And wouldn't it be thrilling if folks stopped their killing and started in tilling the land? Yeah. Basic human needs now. Basic human deeds. So, Wavy, do you remember writing Basic Human Needs? Yeah, it was after uh, B-52s blew up the largest uh, teaching hospital in uh, Southeast Asia called Bak Mai. On December 22, 1972, during the Vietnam War, the Bak Mai Hospital in Hanoi, North Vietnam, was obliterated by American bombs, killing 28 staff and countless patients. I was absolutely blown away, devastated. And I was uh, in my little dome in Pacific High School and watching my hand write this song. I had nothing to do with it. It was just uh, into my phone book, actually. I had a few blank pages. And that's where Basic Human Needs uh, still lives, actually. In my fat old phone book. I always said, if that song could be a hit, I'll I'll write another one. (laughs) But otherwise, that's it. Because... It was not Moon June screwed. It was uh, was uh, you know, no guns and you know like uh, feed the world and there was all kinds of uh, uh, real uh, absolutely uh, important messages for saving humanity. So holy moly. So while Wavy's aspirational spirit has affected tens of thousands, he's never had a TV show to spread his ethos. And as the world becomes more disconnected, dysfunctional, and disturbing, the more we need clown soldiers like Wavy Gravy. Just an opera hat full of yellow chickens. He was a soldier of the clown. Now, Wavy is more than just a clown soldier. He's an actual doer of good deeds that affect millions of people around the world. 
One of Wavy's most notable deeds is being a co-founder of SAVA, a nonprofit eye care organization that provides surgeries, spectacles, medicine, and other eye care services around the world. It was a whole bunch of people that uh, wanted to uh, figure out to do uh, something to do what they could do to make the world a better place. And we got into this big circle. And Nicole Grasset, who was this great woman who headed up uh, the measles uh, work. and Nicole Grasset was a Swiss-French virologist and microbiologist epidemiologist who helped eradicate smallpox from planet Earth. It was she who pitched us on you know, that uh, 80% of the people in the world that are blind didn't need to be and could get their sight back with simple cataract surgery. And so we uh, decided to do that. And the name Seva popped up because it, it meant service to humankind. But I, I raised a lot of money for it, and uh, my first job was to try and get uh, the Grateful Dead to do our first concert. <laughs> and uh, that's always how it is when you get your group together and you've got a great cause, and you just want to get the Rolling Stones. And <laughs> it just doesn't really work like that. It's insanity. And uh, I was uh, deputized to get the Dead, and I got on this airplane in, uh, I guess, New Delhi. And who was on the airplane but the Grateful Dead? Talk about synchronicity. Wavy's been tasked with persuading the Grateful Dead to play a benefit concert for the newly founded nonprofit Seva, and who should be on his airplane from India to the U.S. but the Grateful Dead. Hippies love India. So I started in on the drummers, and I got them to agree, and then I got Jerry to agree, and then it, it just all fell into place. By the time I got off the plane, I got them to agree to do this uh, benefit to start off the organization. And uh, Bill Graham, it's a benefit. Why am I the last to find out these things? God damn it. Bill Graham was a San Francisco counterculture ground floor member and concert promoter who put on tons of rock shows. But then uh, the band is playing and I'm in uh, Garcia's area backstage with my friend Steve Parrish, who is a giant that moves Jerry's stuff around. And Bill wanders up and he slips me a piece of paper and I unfold it. It's a, a check for $10,000 for save. I said, Bill, why are you doing this? It's because you did not hit on me, my friend. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Wavy's piecework, diffusing tension between potential enemies, has been changing humans for the better for over 60 years. Here's Wavy's memory of calming an entire party of freaking out acid testers at Lysergic Agogo, the L.A. acid test of 1965, put on by Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters, and made famous by Tom Wolfe in his book The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. And when the pranksters came, uh to L.A. to do the big can you pass the acid test the big one where uh, Tom Wolfe wrote the book about Yeah. and I gave the big lecture at the beginning we had two ash cans full of Kool-Aid and I said the Kool-Aid on the right is for the kids the Kool-Aid on the left is the electric Kool-Aid uh, let's go over this the Kool-Aid on the right and I went over it about 25 times. But people would be dancing for a couple hours to the Grateful Dead, and they just wanted something wet. And they just grabbed the first thing they saw, 
and uh, that was, uh, you know, like uh, 300 mics a swallow. And so the whole place elevated, and that's when that girl started going nuts and screaming, Who cares? Who cares? And somehow, uh, one of uh, one of Valsley's uh, best microphones got rammed down her throat, and suddenly into everybody's DNA is, Who cares? And I said into a mic, some sister, is, uh, f- is freaked out and uh, is unglued and I'm going to try and find her and glue her together and I'll see you later and uh, I did a mic drop and then I started looking around it took me a while till I found her and uh, as I found her maybe about 15 or 20 people found her and uh, some of them I knew and many of them I didn't and we all joined hands, and suddenly she turned into jewels and light, and we turned into jewels and light, and that's uh, when I passed the acid test. Diffusing tension with tripping hippies wasn't the only place Wavy flourished his talent. Here's an amazing story about Wavy, the police at the 1972 Republican National Convention, and Wavy's political candidate, nobody for president. Ah, our fearless leader. Ah, our fearless leader refers to nobody for president. Yes, well, it it started uh, uh, many, many uh, moons ago, and perhaps uh, Saturn and Uranus. Uh, We ran a a pig for president. Her name was Pegasus, and she was indeed the first female black and white candidate for that high office. she made it into uh, Time and Newsweek and uh, got a lot of votes. Wavy and his commune, the Hog Farm, ran several non-human candidates for U.S. president throughout the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. And then uh, after the pig, what did we run next? I'm trying to remember. Uh, but eventually we came up with nobody because nobody's perfect. And nobody keeps all campaign promises. That's audio of the protesters at the Republican National Convention of 1972. The AP video shows a violent scene of tear gas, people being beaten and dragged, etc. And amidst the violent protests is Wavy, promoting his candidate, Nobody for President, who came after Pegasus for president. I remember my my greatest thrill was uh, at the Republican uh, uh, National Convention. I had uh, put on a disguise as a reporter and uh, was uh, crashing uh, the convention. When I am, uh, do- oh, of course, uh, we after the pig, we ran uh, uh, clicking teeth for president. And now nobody will speak and the teeth that go click, 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 click. To clarify, Wavy's candidate, nobody for president, was represented by those chattering teeth you find in the novelty section of a toy store. Ah, our fearless leader. So uh, when the police dove on me uh, at the the, uh, convention place, uh, uh, they felt this bulge in my pocket. And this cop says, is that a gun? 
and they whip it out, and it's the teeth start clicking in his hand. And I says, quiet, our leader is speaking. <laughs> and he rolled his eyes and gave me back the teeth and said, get out of here, you're too weird to arrest. And I try to keep it that way. Wavy gravy, too weird to arrest. Uh, the, the teeth, of course, were extraordinary, and we always had uh, plenty of wind-up teeth. So along with diffusing tension with humor in political situations, Wavy is also a rock and roll peacekeeper. So here's Trixie Garcia, the daughter of Jerry Garcia, about Wavy and his Wikipedia-stated role as the, quote, official clown of the Grateful Dead, unquote, and what that really means. Wavy's brand of, um, of weirdness is... Um, Super cool. How else do you describe it? You know, it's like, it's it's the best of everything. It's really a curated uh, collection of beliefs and um, a lifestyle and all this stuff. He is such a, like a living Buddha. You know, he really is. He's always got this, this twinkle in his eye and this um, kind of, you know, song in his, in his, um, the way he speaks and everything. The quest for fun is a, is a big theme in The Grateful Dead and the levity, the, you know, needing levity. So I think he's been there to keep the band, you know, the vibes good backstage, you know, to really be. He's like the like our rabbi, you know, something like that. He hangs out. It's good morale boosting. He's checking in with people. He's getting people on the same page. It's really he's a shaman, right? He's like a clown shaman uh, character that. Yeah, that that has has really shaped the culture of the band, and there was never a shortage of laughs and jokes and stuff backstage at the Grateful Dead, and and we have uh, our official clown to thank for that. Humor has been used to diminish stressful situations since the dawn of time. Laughter is the valve on the pressure cooker of life. If you don't laugh at stuff, you end up with your beans on the ceiling. Or your brains, of course. Beans are better, but brains uh, will suffice. Humor is a tool to express criticism about injustice, arrogance, pretension, or hypocrisy. And Wavy is an expert at this. At different times that we went to Washington, we would do different stuff. One time it was egg creams, another time it was cream pies, or uh, we, we always uh, uh, used... Uh, cream pies in a pinch and he blasts somebody with a cream pie and they uh, <laughs> they were uh, either on board for it or uh, they were uh, they weren't <laughs> and then we would make our escape but mostly uh, people were on board for it and we would uh use these uh, uh, cream pies as initiations into uh, our shenanigans that we were uh, plotting to uh, pursue our way across the free world and uh, and then uh, parts of Asia. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like a good chocolate cream pie to really uh, make a point. <laughs> Along with pies, Wavy was partial to using other desserts to make a political point. We did egg creams out the window of the bus. 
Uh, with Foxy's You Bet Syrup, you can't do a good egg cream unless you have the right ingredients. And we had the, the cool stuff. And uh, we also had the pig with us, I do believe. It was clogging up the aisle of the bus. <laughs> you had to go over the top of the pig. <laughs> oh, God. And we were throwing the egg creams out the window and... They were excellent egg creams. I mean, we did not, uh, it was not a, a cheesy egg cream. What were you protesting with the egg creams? Oh, we were, uh, we were not, it was probably Nixon, I think. We didn't, we didn't care for him. Yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. were in, in Washington, uh, uh, uh saying no to Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we emphasized our point with uh, egg creams. <laughs> Wavy ran the Pegasus campaign for president a year before Woodstock in 1968 against notorious hippie hater and infamous crook Richard Nixon. Here's Nixon. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. We didn't, we didn't care for him. <laughs> <laughs> Political humorists have been around forever. Court jesters could say things that others would have been beheaded for saying. Yes, and, and the, the fool was the only person who could speak uh, truth to the king and had the king's ear. So everybody was trying to get uh, Jiggy with the fool so he could uh, talk to the king and uh, get him uh, uh, enterprised into their vector. Apparently in 1603, when the king of England had difficulty fattening his horses, his court jester reportedly suggested the king make the horses bishops, and they would quickly plump him. The female voice you hear with Wavy is his wife, Jahanara. I don't know why they needed fat horses. Any thoughts? Any? No, why? I don't know. Horses? Yeah, they yeah. wanted the horses fat. Oh, yeah, you don't want skinny horses. Otherwise, they're no good to eat. Because <laughs> horse meat is, was a, a big uh, uh, delicacy back in the day. And uh, even today, you see it in the uh, butcher store, uh, horse meat. Did you, I don't know if I've ever eaten horse meat. I might have, but didn't know about it. Otherwise, I would be repelled because I'd be thinking of uh, the great uh, uh, horses that raced in the uh, in the uh, uh, racetracks of uh, the planet and were world famous. And I'd hate to be thinking of them as a burger. Now, before we wrap episode one, one more story. Let's find out how Hugh Romney became wavy gravy. When we did uh, get to, uh, maybe it was uh, Texas, where we also uh, did security. Uh... The Texas International Pop Festival was two weeks after Woodstock, during Labor Day 1969. Now, Wavy and his commune, the Hog Farm, newly known from Woodstock, were hired as festival peacekeepers between the cowboys and the hippies. And we were parked on uh, uh, Lake Dallas. 
where we set up the free stage. The concert uh, with Janis Joplin and everybody was at this speedway about uh, seven miles down the road. And then the free camping that that we uh, took care of and uh, we set up a, a free stage. The Job's daughters could not handle the skinny dipping. Everybody wanted to skinny dip because it was a big deal at Woodstock and it made all the press and everything, so people wanted to do that. And the Job's Daughters went nuts. So Job's Daughters is an organization for young women to provide community service, and their website says they're not affiliated with a specific religion. However, members are required to believe in God. So I guess their God didn't like skinny-dipping hippies. And they were going to bring in the National Guard. I ended up uh, grabbing uh, Peter White Rabbit and a PT boat and uh, went around uh, this giant lake with uh, my little bullhorn going, Ahoy, Nudo! <laughs> the Job's daughters are going to call the National Guard, so you got to put your pants on. Can you dig it? <laughs> and they said, well, yeah, man. I said, we'll swim over there and tell that other guy. And... Uh, <laughs> And we kept uh, uh, doing it until finally there was not a bare ass on this enormous lake and the sun is setting a sultry, misty, orange fry jello. And I said, well, Peter, it looks like we done it. And along came a naked water skier with an erection. I said, follow him, get him, get him. And we went around the lake chasing this guy uh, until finally we ran out of gas and I had to walk back to the stage and I crawled on the stage. I collapsed. And uh, this announcement came over our PA. B.B. King is here with his bus and he's gonna play for free. Could we clear the stage, please? B.B. King was an American blues singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer known as the King of the Blues. Before he died in 2015, he played hundreds of shows a year. And at one of these events, he inadvertently changed Hugh Romney's life forever. And it was before one of my multitude of back surgeries, and I'm moving kind of slow. When I feel this hand on my shoulder and I look up and there is B.B. King. And he looked down at me and he said, well, wavy gravy. I don't know where he got that. I don't know where he got that. He said, well, wavy gravy, I can work around you. And he leaned me up against his amplifier took out his guitar named Lucille. And from out of the wings came Johnny Winter, a delightful albino king of the blues. And he and B.B. jammed till sunrise. And it was everybody's reward for putting on their pants. And a tiny, (laughs) tiny tip of Texas went to heaven. 
1969, the same year as Woodstock and the Texas International Pop Festival, when Hugh Romney becomes Wavy Gravy, Nixon is the president, 250,000 protesters march in D.C. against the Vietnam War, and a few weeks before Woodstock, the Apollo 11 lands on the moon. That's one small step for man, one and I stayed wavy gravy ever since. I had a a class to teach uh, back in uh, California I, uh, at uh, Cal State. I was teaching improvisation to neurologically handicapped children, whatever that is. And my classes were filmed and taped through one-way glass. And after my class... These uh, German professors came in. They said, keep that name, baby gravy. You saved a week's orientation. <laughs> in other words, if I said I was Hugh Romney, they were sort of a little bit interested. But if I said I was wavy gravy, they wanted to get down on the floor and roll around and do shit. And so uh, I stayed with it. Wavy gravy, yeah. So we're going to dive deep with Wavy Gravy. Find out where he came from and how a kid from New Jersey went from being a beatnik poet to a trout purse-carrying, kazoo-blowing, clown-nose-wearing symbol for peace, love, and rock and roll. For my, uh, you know, exciting uh, uh, poetry days to improv days to the committee days to uh, turning into... uh, Beyond that, to the hog farm, and uh, out to save the world, and uh, stop the war, and all that stuff, and uh, driving two buses from London to the Himalayas, founding Seva, which is probably the best thing I ever did, and I did it with a bunch of other people. I'm a psychedelic relic. <laughs> Can you dig it? This is American Prankster, the rivetingly incredible, historically fascinating saga of who, what, where, why, when, how, with Wavy Gravy, original beatnik, hippie icon, pioneering activist who uses humor as a weapon. In the next episode, Wavy takes us back to the beginning, through his childhood, teen years, and young days in the Army. Yeah, he was in the Army, you guys. Being a... A Morse code operator, which is what I did for the government. Watch this. I just did fuck you at you. I got so I could say that with a Morse code key faster than anybody else in the entire service of the code people. And they, the people in charge would always say, who did that? Who said that? And I would, of course, never tell. (laughs) And I would enjoy doing that and getting them all upset. American Prankster is executive produced by Rainbow Valentine Studios, Eric Hober, Larry and Gerger Brilliant, Hal Gill, God and Company, Thessaly Lerner, Wavy Gravy, and sponsored by Levy Informatics at levyinformatics.com. Episode 1, written and produced by Thessaly Lerner, edited, mixed, mastered, and scored by Will Collins, with original music by Will Collins, narrated by Rainbow Valentine. 
Associate producers are Sage Lean, Trina Calarone, Brian Slusher, Ryan Reeves, Zappo Dickinson, Jundit Sykes, Johanna Romney, and Mark Margolis. American Prankster logo by Jordan Paisano. Special thanks to the guests of Episode 1, Dr. Philip Glenn, Dennis McNally, and Trixie Garcia. Plus, appreciation to all the Do-Re-Mi budget donors, our partners at Pantheon Podcasts, and you, our listener, and the incomparable Wavy Gravy. For more info, go to wavygravy.net or rainbowvalentine.com. Raise a glass to the downfall of evil and towards the fun. Mwah, uh, uh, uh. Can you dig it?